The Ostomy Nurse Project. Hi everybody and welcome back to this week's episode of the Ostomy Nurse Project. As per usual, I'm Felicity, your host, and today is the Focusing on Fistula episode. So we're going to be talking about fistulas, mostly about abdominal fistulas or enterocutaneous fistulas, because that's what we as stoma nurses are accustomed to dealing with. But I'm going to be talking about the actual term fistula and what that means in the realm of stoma and wound care. And within that, we're also going to be covering things like the signs and symptoms of a fistula, how we diagnose and how we test for these fistulas and the relevant treatment. So from a stoma nurse perspective, what we do for abdominal fistulas, as well as the medical treatment, because fistulas can become quite complex and difficult to manage. So we're going to cover all of that in today's episode. Now, just as a reminder, you may have noticed that our podcast releases have dropped back to fortnightly. That is a deliberate and temporary thing at the moment, just while we are accommodating for some additional educational opportunities. Um, But eventually we will go back to weekly podcasts. So if you are regular listeners, I thank you for staying tuned in and I can appreciate your patience in having to wait for fortnightly podcasts just up until uh, November when we can resume weekly podcasts after that. Okay, so going back to fistulas, which sounds like a funny term, but the actual word fistula comes from the Latin word, which means pipe or tube. And a fistula, no matter where the location, is an abnormal connection between two surfaces or two organs. Now, you may have heard the term fistula in lots of different environments. The term AV fistula is an arteriovenous fistula, and that's a surgically created connection between an artery and a vein, and it is commonly performed for people who are undergoing either hemodialysis treatment or some other um, rapid infusion, where the artery in the arm is connected to the vein in the arm, and that creates a bigger space for whatever infusion is going through or for the passage of blood to be drained of more rapidly. Another common fistula term that you may be aware of is what we call an obstetric fistula. If any of you have ever heard of the work of Dr. Catherine Hamlin and the Hamlin Fistula Foundation, which is in Ethiopia, you would know that that is a foundation dedicated to the treatment of obstetric fistulas. And again, it is an abnormal connection between two organs. So in the case of obstetric fistula, there is a hole that generates between the vagina and the bladder or the vagina and the rectum, and that creates an abnormal connection. And that's a postpartum complication that particularly women in developing countries still exhibit these days. In the day and age of better screening and shorter labours, a lot of women who would normally be at risk of developing a fistula from a prolonged labour would go on to have a C-section in a lot of the developed world. But these women in developing countries or perhaps third world countries that don't have access to these surgical techniques are in labour for very long periods of time. They do have complications with birth, and so there is an incidence of these women developing these obstetric fistulas, which do require surgical repair. The term fistula still applies. It is the connection between two organs. And now starting to broaden into our realm, the stomal therapy side of things, fistulas can form between the gastrointestinal tract and the skin, or between the gastrointestinal tract and perhaps an abscess or a cavity within the abdomen. And this is where we start to talk about things like enterocutaneous fistulas or abdominal fistulas 
collocutaneous fistulas, the term or the label for the type of fistula that it is, is dictated by the two organs that develop the connection. And again, outside of the abdominal world, you can name a fistula based on those connections. Like I said, an AV fistula is an arteriovenous fistula where an artery connects with a vein. So in an abdominal fistula, depending on its name, it refers to the organs that are connected. And the typical fistulas that we deal with in the stomal therapy world are either enterocutaneous fistulas, which is entero is intestines or small bowel, usually to be more specific, and cutaneous is the skin. So bowel connects to skin, or you may also hear it referred to as enteroatmospheric fistula, which is where the enteric contents connect with the skin, which is connected to the outside world or the external atmosphere. And these particular fistulas are fistulas found in the abdomen where enteric contents or fecal contents actually escape from a wound somewhere in the abdomen. And you can also have collocutaneous fistulas, which is where the large intestine or the colon adheres to the skin and creates a connection to the outside world. We refer to that as collocutaneous. But the main point I want to get across is that with a fistula, there are two organs that are abnormally connected to one another. And this presents a lot of problems because when enteric contents or fecal contents or even urine in some fistula cases start getting or breaching into other organs or areas in the body, this is where people are become at a very high risk of developing severe infections because there's going to be a cross-contamination between organs and if not treated properly, then the individual person with a fistula can become very unwell very quickly. Now, gastrointestinal fistulas often occur as a post-operative complication from particularly abdominal surgery, because cutting into the abdomen close to where your organs and your bowel is, uh, is going to predispose you to a weak point, which may allow that connection. Of those gastrointestinal fistulas that do develop, about 25% or a quarter of all gastrointestinal fistulas, they actually just happen on their own. So they, they erupt spontaneously. There's nothing that we could have done to prevent those. And they are usually the result of things like intra-abdominal infection, so sepsis within the abdomen, or any type of inflammation. And the inflammation part is where we often see these fistulas developing in the abdomen as a complication of abdominal surgery, which I just mentioned. Other complications and causes of gastrointestinal fistulas can include things like intestinal blockages, inflammatory bowel diseases, as I mentioned, so Crohn's disease, ulcerative colitis, because there's that inflammation in the bowel, which can cause the, the abnormal connection to another organ. People who have undergone radiation to the abdomen, uh, which as you, uh, all of you who listened to the previous episode last time, which was radiation and living with a stoma, having radiation damages the, the DNA and the cell structure of a lot of tissues. Now your body can heal a certain amount of that. However, if there is damage to the tissues around there, that may cause a weak point in some of those organs and the weakness can contribute to a connection to another organ and creation of a fistula. Trauma. Trauma is actually a major factor in developing a gastrointestinal fistula. So injury like deep wounds from stabbings or from particularly gunshot wounds, the trauma caused to the delicate organs on the inside can actually create a fistula then and there. If a penetrating wound 
physically connects two organs, that can then establish a fistula in itself. And in an absolute worst case scenario, and I'm going to be talking about something really terrible here, and it's not something that we necessarily deal with as stoma nurses, but swallowing caustic substances can actually damage the intestinal tract so severely that it can erode that inner wall and create those abnormal fistulas and those connections due to the uh, caustic nature of eroding those tissues so much that they inevitably split open and connect to the surrounding organs. But let's assume for all intensive purposes and for the purposes of this podcast that nobody's going to go off swallowing caustic substances and develop a fistula. 90% of the work that we deal with, people who have developed an abdominal fistula based on recent surgery that they've had or perhaps latent surgery where they've been predisposed to developing this connection in the abdomen. And here's where we start to get into the stomal therapy side of things because if we are dealing with an intestine of sorts, so either the small bowel or the large bowel, and its connection to the outside world, it's basically like saying that the person who has suffered this fistula has spontaneously developed their own stoma. Because as we know, a stoma is simply another word for opening. And if we have an opening between the bowel or the colon and the outside world, that is technically speaking a type of ostomy. And the same principle applies. If there is fecal material coming out to the outside world, the individual requires some sort of collection device because they have zero control over the contents coming out of that wound. So the the stomal therapy side of things, we often get called to deal with people who have developed abdominal fistulas because they will need to be protected and a collection device or an ostomy pouch will need to be applied to those areas to collect any enteric contents. And there are some key differences between dealing with an abdominal fistula and dealing with a regular stoma. Because enterocutaneous or enteroatmospheric fistulas spontaneously develop a lot of the time, there's no surgical formation of a nice spout round stoma in an ideal position. These fistulas can create themselves wherever they like in the abdomen and it is up to the individual's body to determine where that evolves. It is often in a weakened point, so perhaps in a surgical incision in the abdomen or a previous scar from a surgical incision into the abdomen. But with this fistula that creates itself, there's no knowing where it's going to evolve. And when it does evolve, it's never going to be that nice spout poking out stoma that we aim for when stomas are surgically created. We like to aim for that. They don't always end up that way, by the way. But with a fistula, they're often very small. They may be flat with the skin and they may even form or evolve in areas of scarred tissue or perhaps even in an open abdomen that hasn't quite healed yet after surgery. And this is where we come into a lot of difficulty and these fistulas become highly complex because they require not only a lot of physical care from a stomal therapy nurse to be able to pouch them effectively without leakage onto her healthy skin, but there's a lot of electrolyte imbalances and um, complications physically and, and chemically that can go on with a fistula if the enteric contents are allowed to escape into the abdominal cavity. And that's what I meant before when I said people can become very sick. So it does cause certain signs and symptoms that require complex medical treatment. 
So aside from the obvious symptom of having uh, fecal contents coming out of somewhere in the abdomen, so a wound in the abdomen, these high fluid losses from the bowel, depending on where these fistulas are, can cause dehydration, diarrhea, malnutrition, because the principle still applies. If a fistula spontaneously evolves, say, perhaps high up in the small intestine, so towards the first part of the small intestine, you will be losing a lot of fecal contents out of the body before the intestines have had a chance to absorb any of the nutrients from what you've just eaten. So that poses a big risk for some people because the high output from these fistulas may cause the same symptoms as a high output stoma, say perhaps from an ileostomy or for a colostomy that has severe high output as a result of different treatments. So dehydration, diarrhea, malnutrition can occur with abdominal fistulas depending on the volume uh, that is coming out and whereabouts in the abdominal tract it has formed itself. We generally categorize that by whether the external drainage from a fistula exceeds 500 mils, so half a litre in 24 hours, um, or if it's less than that. So that will determine what type of, of fistula it is and how we can treat that. Because the, the consequence of the high output fistula is the electrolyte imbalance that may cause a person dehydration, as I said, and metabolic disorders, which is very similar to that when you have a high output stoma itself. Now, the other issue with these fistulas is that when losing these nutrients um, from the fistula, if you are dealing with a fistula, but you also have what we call intra-abdominal sepsis or, or some sort of infection, your reduced dietary intake, so limiting you to fluids, all of these things lead to malnutrition. And the impact overall of this, this cycle increases the likelihood that you will have troubles with wound healing. So if your fistula has developed in a post-operative wound, that will lead to incidences of what we call wound dehiscence or wound breakdown, uh, muscle atrophy, what we call an ileus, which is where the bowel temporarily goes to sleep or becomes paralyzed because it's not functioning effectively. And this can complicate things greatly because it can increase your hospital stay. It can even so far as to say increase uh, incidence of mortality. So people can become very, very sick uh, very quickly and even in severe cases can die as a result of these fistulas if they're not managed effectively. Now, the problem from a stomal therapy point of view is trying to deal with fecal effluent, which is the surrounding bubble or the, the overarching goal of any stomal therapy nurse's pouching routine is to contain intestinal fluid to prevent it from getting onto the skin. So intestinal fluid that comes from a fistula will irritate the abdominal wall wherever it's coming out from or collecting inside of. And that causes uh, things like chemical dermatitis or contact dermatitis, which is what we see when people with stomas have had leaks of fecal effluent onto the skin and it has caused severe moisture and chemical damage to that delicate skin, which in turn makes pouching very difficult and it also makes the tissue around that fistula much more susceptible to infection and, and difficulties with adhesion. So how do we treat these abdominal fistulas? Because it's one thing to consider what a stoma nurse will do in terms of collecting the fecal effluent. So for instance, like putting pouches on and things like that, there's a whole other medical management system that needs to take place in order to try and fix these fistulas that are occurring. 
And that goes in two separate directions. One option is to do what we call conservative treatment, which is not a surgical treatment, but requires stabilization. So fixing your electrolyte imbalances, so fixing all of your bloods and stabilizing things like your renal function. Then there's also a different stage where we look at improvement. So that's like nutritional support. If you are unable to take on solid foods for a period of time, or if you are having such high fluid losses from the bowel, you may be required to undergo nutritional support, which means things like parental nutrition, um, a dietitian review to look at things that you can and cannot eat or drink, uh, and conditioning your body to take on new nutrients that you may have been losing from that fistula. And then we look at local wound care as well. So improvement of the surrounding skin around that fistula, protecting that delicate area from corrosive uh, enzymes in the fecal output. So making sure that we are preserving that wound or that fistula that has created itself as much as we possibly can with the hope that it may eventually spontaneously close or heal itself on its own which is the final stage of the conservative treatment. So we call that resolution or where the fistula is independently managed and eventually the bowel heals itself and the body does its own work of, of closing that fistula. Now, there's also many factors that determine whether we choose a conservative treatment route or whether we go with the surgical treatment route. And that would be determined by the medical team and the, the group of doctors and nurses and nutritionists and every specialist that would be looking after you if you happen to develop an abdominal fistula. So with the surgical treatment, uh, as opposed to conservative treatment, we would determine whether the surgery is an urgent need, so whether you need to have uh, emergency surgery or, or rapid surgery to go in and correct that defect, or whether you can choose to have it as an elective option. So sometimes when we're dealing with abdominal fistulas, if the person with the fistula is seemingly quite well uh, and we can stabilize you enough to let that fistula establish itself, we may wait for a bit of time in between before we can then go in surgically or reopen those wounds and close those fistulas. And that would involve something like reconstructive surgery. So sometimes we would perform an operation that we call a fistula takedown or a fistula resection, um, perhaps a small bowel resection or a colon resection to remove that damaged area from the external environment and to close up that defect again in the hope that it will heal in a normal fashion again. Okay, so we've pretty much covered the general logistics of dealing with abdominal fistulas. From a stomal therapy nurse point of view or a practical point of view, let's talk about how we handle these fistulas and how we manage to protect either a wound around these fistulas or the delicate skin around these fistulas so that we can try and avoid contamination with the fecal effluent and suffering leaks, which is going to cause you a lot of skin damage. So stomal therapy 101 we want to find a pouching system that is going to contain the fistula opening itself as well as protect the delicate skin around that, well, what we call the peristomal skin. So we would typically choose some sort of adhesive pouch that is capable of collecting the volume that is coming out of the fistula. So some fistulas, as I mentioned earlier, may be low volume output fistulas. They may only put less than 500 mils out from that hole in a 24-hour period. So some of our choices might involve perhaps a small wound pouch or a wound collection pouch or an ostomy pouch, depending on the size and shape and location of that hole. 
For fistulas that have significantly higher output, which we do also deal with, we may choose a device such as a high output system, which is capable of collecting much higher volumes uh, so that the individual with the fistula can obviously mobilize and get around and get through a full night's sleep without having to constantly empty a smaller drainable pouch. Depending on the fistula's location, we may have to use quite a lot of accessory products, so perhaps seals um, or pastes to try and fill any gaps or creases, because often, as I said, a lot of fistulas are quite flat and they're often very small holes in difficult areas of the abdomen that we need to try and put a pouch on. They're not your typical surgically formed stomas, which are somewhat easier to put an appliance over. So seals are a common uh, usage to deal with abdominal fistula. They will protect the skin around the stoma and they will also absorb a certain amount of that effluent and protect the skin underneath. Pastes are also a really good product to use if we have to fill any gaps or creases or areas of leakage from that fistula. Now here's a kicker. What happens when a person develops multiple abdominal fistulas because it does happen depending on the complexity or the severity of somebody's illness or how uh, damaged their abdomen has been these wounds that develop can occur in multiple different places it's not uncommon for sterma nurses like myself to be dealing with multiple enterocutaneous fistulas in one person's abdomen they can range from a single fistula to dual fistulas, to three, four, five or six fistulas, depending on the severity of the diseased tissue. But the principle of stomal therapy pouching still applies. We need to isolate each individual fistula and make sure that we're collecting everything sufficiently. So if these fistulas are developing inside a wound, so open tissue, that becomes exponentially more difficult to manage because we have to then add in a wound care component to try and heal the wounds around those fistulas. One of the really common and popular products that we use as stoma nurses is what we call a fistula pouch or a wound pouch. They are often made up of different shapes um, in, a, in the form of a bag with a special type of closure that can have a long bag connected to it. But the principle is that you would be able to cut out several different shapes from that pouch, apply it on top of or around these fistulas and fill any gaps or creases underneath so that it collects into that pouch. Now, depending on how many fistulas there are that you need to isolate, these pouches may need to be placed on top of other wound care products. Like I said, if there's a particular wound that includes an open abdomen or a broken down surgical wound that needs healing around those fistulas, we need to bring in other wound care products. Some of those products are things like standard wound dressings, so hydrofiber sheets, absorbent dressings that we can put on the good skin that doesn't have the fistula near it to try and heal it underneath those wound collection pouches right through to really complex wound care regimes. And these include things like negative pressure dressings. You may hear them referred to as VAC dressings. So these are products that we can apply around these fistulas to try and stimulate wound healing whilst we are collecting the fecal effluent from those fistulas at the same time. And these are the really complex cases that stoma nurses deal with whilst a patient is being looked after and managed until those fistulas can either establish themselves, spontaneously close, or have to be repaired and resected surgically.
And now some of the other creative things that us stoma nurses get up to when we're managing these abdominal fistulas, not only by using a wound pouch or a fistula collection pouch, we can get very creative with what we put into those pouches or what we put underneath those pouches as a means of keeping the tissue around those fistulas nice and clean and healthy. Now this is a really good time for me to talk to all of you about my experiences as a student nurse, which was what got me into stomal therapy in the first place, it was probably actually dealing with a patient that had an abdominal fistula and not necessarily a stoma that probably made me realize that that was where my passion was and that I wanted to be a stomal therapy nurse. And if any of you have listened to the very first Ostomy Nurse Project podcast where I introduce myself and talk about how I got to be a stomal therapy nurse, that's all covered in it as well. But when I was a student nurse, and learning all about the realm of stomal therapy, I was exposed to a patient who had a very difficult abdominal fistula that was being dealt with. She had a very large wound on the abdomen, and the stomal therapy nurses at the time had one of these very large wound pouches on it. And they had become so creative with this wound pouch that what they had essentially done And this is a practice that's actually done in many developing countries for fistulas as well, where they don't have high-tech dressings like we do. The wound pouch had been set up so that it was infusing a um, a liquid component. So in this instance, it was normal saline. So from an irrigation point of view, down into the bag, that was cleansing this abdominal wound um, from the top down and washing away any enteric contents from that raw wounded tissue, that wound bed. And then at the end of the wound pouch where you can connect um, either the closure plug or um, the fold-up end, they had a suction device connected to that. So essentially the way that we were managing this abdominal fistula, which was quite low in this patient's pelvis, was to flush fluid into the top of the wound, keeping it nice and clean and stable and suctioning out the enteric contents that were pooling in the bottom. And that was a means of keeping that wound nice and healthy and clean whilst keeping the enteric contents away from that tissue whilst it was trying to heal. And that was a really amazing setup that we had. And that patient was allowed to mobilize around the ward and have some semblance of mobility um, and get back to some sort of normalcy whilst they were still in hospital. And that system worked uh, very well for several weeks until that wound healed up around that small fistula and she was able to have it surgically closed some months down the track. So I just wanted to point out that story because that was a story in dealing with an abdominal fistula, but that was one of the uh, experiences that I had as a student nurse working with the stomal therapy nurses in my hospital that really inspired me to want to do what I do today and tell you all about it in my podcasts. Well, that's pretty much it for this episode, you guys. That pretty much sums up everything I can tell you about abdominal fistulas. They are a type of stoma and we pouch them and manage them much in the same way that we do with a surgically created one, albeit with a bit more complexity and management Uh, depending on where they are and what is coming out of them specifically. I hope you guys have enjoyed this podcast today. It gives you a little bit of an indication that not all stomas are conventional stomas and not all fistulas are life-threatening and sometimes do spontaneously close themselves. It is all determined by the correct management and containment of the enteric contents that come out of a fistula that will make 
a person with a fistula's life that little bit easier and um, make the fistulas able to be managed to a point where you can still continue to live your life as effectively as possible. If you guys like uh, the content that you've heard this week, please feel free to subscribe to Spotify, join us on uh, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Podbean, and YouTube. You can leave a comment on YouTube if you want to and let us know if this is the type of thing that you want to be listening to. Join us again in a fortnight, uh, now that you guys know, for another episode of the Oz to Me Nurse Project. We are coming to you from down under, right where your stoma or abdominal fistula may be. Thank you, everyone. Talk to you next time.